Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And welcome back to the Masters of Modern Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kessler. Just kidding, guys. It's the bait and switch again. Uh, I'm Ben Bateman. I'm here talking to you guys. It's Masters of Modern. Alex is out of town. So we have a very special episode with a very special guest. We have Kesco's very own Frank Fields. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. You're, it's a fir- you're a first-time guest on the show. First time I've been on the Masters of Modern podcast, but as many people, I'm a huge fan. And uh, you've played Magic with us and with lots of the other guests of the show. Yeah, I have played Magic in the L.A. area for about six or seven years now, or I guess five years now. Played Magic in California for about seven years now, so it's been good. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we're excited to have you. We decided today that we were going to do a, a subject that has piqued my interest recently. As I've been brewing a lot of decks with uh, graveyard sensibilities. And yeah, I saw your crazy retrace creation that you showed me uh, last week. That was uh, that was interesting. We haven't talked about that on the show yet. Oh so, man! Uh, yeah, oh, we'll this talk is about great. That today. Yeah. So this is and and also so that one as well as the. Uh, <laughs> Have I shown you the my my aftermath flashback brew? No, but uh, that also that sounds equally amazing. That's the one I was saying we haven't talked about. I think I have actually maybe talked about the retrace brew. I'm not really sure, but but both of them are pretty silly and both of them utilize the graveyard heavily. So that's what we're here to do, uh, guys. Before we get fully into the episode, there's a few shoutouts to be done. The first one that I want to do is let you guys know that we're on Twitter at the MMCast. You can find us there. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Frank, where can the folks find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FFMiri. Miri is my online M-I-R-H-I. Uh, I also do a another uh, podcast on game design called The Cooldown, which you can find at twitter.com slash The Cooldown. Sweet. Um, also, guys, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash the MMCast. It's how we bought this Zoom. It's how we, we bought a camera. We're going to start doing video content pretty soon. Uh, we're talking about sending one of us to Santa Clara again for another fun idea. Uh, we are exhausting our Patreon funds aggressively. <laughs> but if you guys want to help us keep doing cool stuff so we can continue bringing you more content and cooler things, uh, patreon.com slash the MMCast. It's a way to help. Um, and I'll read your name in the voice of Fatal, that silly vampire used to play on Top Decking if you donated a dollar. So uh, there's that. And uh, what else? Collected.company. You can find us there. The the uh, the Game Nights creators, the Command Zone guys, Jimmy and Josh, they have a podcast there. Check them out. Um, and the last thing I do want to point out here, and I point it out every week, and it's especially exciting because we gave away a foil Snapcaster Mage last week, uh, is that on 10 Minutes of Modern, which is the official anchor station for the Masters of Modern podcast, where you can find me every single day, Anchor is a free app. It's like Twitter meets podcasting, but instead of tweeting at people, you call in from your phone, and instead of tweeting back at you, they can actually play your call-ins just like it's the radio and respond. We do modern content every day on there, and in the month of December, every Friday, we're giving away a foil modern staple. So coming up this Friday, I'll be giving away a foil Tarmogoyf. Uh, next week, a foil Scalding Tarn, and the week after that, a foil Liliana of the Veil. Nice. So thank you for all of those that got on board with that contest, because we have plenty of free giveaways coming up, and I'll tell you what, guys. They might extend into January. Alex and I are kicking around a pretty fun idea that uh, we will be letting you guys know about. So if you think that that's cool, you know, join the Facebook group. Oh, yeah, the Facebook group, Masters of Modern Facebook group. Now for the mountain of podcasts are out of the way, or uh, shout-outs on the podcast are out of the way. Let's talk about Magic the Gathering. Fun game. Yeah. So today the, the, the subject matter is about graveyard strategies, and it's specifically about the fact that 
Wizards of the Coast designs graveyard strategies and cards that are valuable when they live in your graveyard in this very particular way, right? They understand that the graveyard's an extension of your hand. Yeah. Can be. They they often have to be pretty careful with this mechanic because there have been some pretty heinous instances where it's gotten away from them. But I think using... Obviously, you can use hand as a resource, which is the most obvious. Life total is a resource, and graveyard is a, is a resource. But graveyard mechanics are kind of few and far between. But since modern is kind of the amalgamation of every single cool mechanic that Wizards ever made, you end up seeing a lot of these different strategies in a lot of the Tier 1 and Tier 2 modern strategies, and even some of the more fringe, uh, chaotic strategies that you don't necessarily see in your Grand Prix or, or uh, weekend modern events. Yes, I would say that overall there are five major ideas that have been printed to interact with the graveyard. Um, I would say I think five. I think uh, I think yeah. We, I think I think we we figured out the five. The five the five different graveyard mechanics that have existed are I think most famously probably flashback. Yeah, I think that's everyone's favorite, or at least most people's favorite. It has shown up in three different sets, two of which are modern legal. You've got dredge, which is the most unfair. Yeah, the and most powerful and probably the most uh, most banned and modern, the most broken. Yeah, you've got aftermath, which is effectively flashback 2.0. Yeah, it's kind of flashback, but not exactly flashback. But I kind of like it. Not a lot of that showing up in modern yet, unless you're Ben Bateman. Yes, you've got retrace, which is fringe. There's only 13 retrace cards ever printed, and really only a few of them are constructed playable. Like two, maybe. Yeah, three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people mess around with them. I do think that that's a space that could be explored more of, but yep. historically we've only seen one or two. And lastly, we've got the amalgamation category of yeah. relevant creatures that live in the graveyard. Yeah, so most of the time it's cards like Eternal Witness and Call of Guns Command and well, I, was, I wouldn't say those cards. I think those, oh. those are cards that interact with your graveyard. Okay, what, what cards are you thinking of? I'm thinking cards like um, Blood-Soaked Champion and Gravecrawler. And, and Bloodgast Blood and Gassed things and, like that. Yeah. Uh, what's the 3-1 the for 2 that you can like pay 2 black and remove creatures or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, those, the Scrap Heap Scrounger. There's that guy. Yeah, yeah so I, I think that that's the last category. Yeah, I gotcha. Wizards of the Coast does a pretty good job of printing... Every every year or two, another one or two cards like yeah. that. So I was actually thinking right before we came on of, of something similar but not exactly the same as you have very few that use Exile like Wasteland Strangler, which you're then putting stuff into the graveyard, but not quite the same thing. Well, yeah, and you also, I mean, in that category, then there's also like Mist Hollow Griffin, and there's also, uh, what's the other one? There's the Eldrazi. Yeah, the, the three mana one. Scourge. Yeah, Eternal something. Scourge. Eternal Scourge. I. I yeah. I've seen that show up quite a few times, and it's really funny how some of the things happen with that. Yep, absolutely. So the point of today's episode is going to be to talk about um, the five sort of different graveyard interactive strategies, thing cards that have been printed in each category, and what's the most effective way to use each one. And then finally, is there a space that hasn't been explored with any one of them that people should be messing around with, and, yeah. and, and what are the most interesting things? I think the first thing to point out is that there's such a dearth now of graveyard strategies that are legal in modern that have been printed over the years that there is definitely space to be explored that isn't being explored where these different strategies interact. Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing you talked about is basically Raven's Crime and Una's Grace are like two of the only only cards that show up in any format and almost never in modern. Raven's Crime is like 
usually more in legacy but it's possible that there's some kind of deck that uses like life of the loam or something else to kind of use retrace as a way to get card advantage and board control well so i think you actually mean uh flame jab not una's grace yeah yeah flame jab una's grace if i remember correctly it's is draw, draw a card, card yeah flame jab is the one to creature or player yeah yeah i i've i've uh let's let's look at this real quick and see cards that i've tried building with before in modern definitely flame jab and raven's crime um i have tried building with glamour die before <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that's like the the weird not quite pain or servant but pain or servant uh equivalent yep. una's grace glamour die I think the only other one I've really ever tried is Sen's Enlistment, but that doesn't really... Yeah, I've seen... That was a modern... It was in Modern Masters 1, I believe, and it was kind of cool in some limited decks, but it hasn't really ever shown up in Constructed. Worm Harvest. That's that's a card people have tried playing before. So what what deck does that even go into? I've never actually seen that in Constructed constructed deck before. Um, I mean... Worm Harvest would just be a finisher in like aggro loam. Which mm. is if you if you get to the life in the loam where you've got twenty five cards in your graveyard part of the game, gotcha. you're dredging like crazy. You just play this for five and, and then get you like just seven win. one ones. Yeah, I mean it's it's not good, but people tried it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that I've tried to play in modern that weren't good, so I'll never hold playing bad decks against people. Yeah, so I mean, I guess we'll, we'll just continue on retrace there, starting starting with retrace. So. You mentioned Life from the Loam. I think that's the that's the most obvious, and so that's the deck I've been yeah. trying to build. And and if you're going to try to build an engine, going back to the beginning of modern, Bronson Magden won the very first modern Grand Prix playing Agro Loam. I did not know that, but that's cool. Yeah, the very first one ever, so five and a half years ago, yeah. was him playing basically just an augmented version of Legacy's Agro Loam deck minus the Lion's Eye Diamond and Mox Diamonds. Yeah, because those are not legal. But you could do Opal, but that's kind of splitting the deck in too many places yeah and it's it's basically what you'd imagine it's raven's crimes and it's it's life from the loams and it's flame jabs yeah and it's just a very engine heavy grindy graveyard dependent deck yeah so i i would kind of wish that one of my favorite legacy decks is lands and i kind of wish someone would take a very similar like kind of idea in modern with life of the loam and then kind of use those retrace cards to kind of figure out how i'm going to get board control because you obviously you can't use a punishing fire that's not legal right exactly. um but you could use flame jab um and if there was a way that you could consistently use that card in order to generate some value while using life of the loan to do, you know get further and further ahead that would be a cool deck but i haven't seen that one show up yet yeah i mean the deck that i've been working on you mentioned it and i think i've talked about it on here is this is this uh young pyromancer thermo alchemist yeah. gutter snipe scrib ranger deck and yeah. it's playing entirely on the back of, of Flame Jab and Life from the Loam and the fact that you're trying to build a whole deck that all gets value every time you cast an instant or a sorcery spell. So casting Flame Jab over and over again is not just casting Flame Jab. It's triggering your gutter snipe. It's triggering and untapping your Thermal Alchemist, which is a good blocker for you. And it's also uh, make, you know getting damage off of your... Um, your, your gutter snipes, your pyromancers. And that's that's the idea there, is you're taking the yeah. most advantage of she's getting to cast them over and over again. Yeah, of course, the the problem with all these types of deck always is that it's difficult to deal with the blue combo decks when you're obviously not running counter spells and you're not running enough cards like Thoughtseize. So it usually ends up being a deck where you have to like tailor your sideboard exclusively to go after one type of deck, and that always kind of limits the kind of matchups that you can build around in a deck like that. But um, at a time where the format really doesn't have that many blue combo decks and there's a lot of creature decks, that's where a card like Flame Jab can actually really shine. Because, you know, Affinity is just filled with one toughness creatures. It's like 
one of the most common decks is not really a problem for a loam deck like that. Yeah, I think the other thing with retrace is that there's not an effective instant speed retrace card that is good. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest problem. If if there was, and if there was some piece of interaction that had retrace, it would allow you to play more cards like your Scrib Rangers and your trade routes and your things that your your um your dismiss is dismiss not dismiss um your deprives yeah and cards that put lands back into your hand to make use of them at instant speed but there's yeah. just not there's also just not something like crop rotation which is in legacy right, there's nothing right. nearly that powerful or instant speed um so there's a few things missing but you know maybe maybe a genius deck designer will come up with a way that can actually utilize instant speed enough that you know, still good against creatures, but can also stand up to combo decks as well. I, I would easily say that this is the thinnest of the strategies we're going to talk about today, and simply because it doesn't have, it just doesn't have the cards. It's yeah, there's cards. not enough cards yet, and given the pattern that Wotzi has been doing, I don't think they're going to reprint retrace. I think that's probably pretty low on uh, Marrow's you know mechanics that he wants to reuse in future sets yeah yeah um all right so let's move on to the second one in the conversation i think probably i think the easiest second one to talk about is dredge Um, yeah it's the it's the most unfair the least likely of all these to ever see a reprinting yeah and it is the one that it's the only one that has seen multiple cards start banned in the format that were part of the strategy and then get unbanned. It's the only one that ever has seen a card get un- that unbanned and then reband. Reband, yeah. I think it Golgari Grave Troll is the only card that has been banned, unbanned, and reband. Right? It is. Yeah. It is. So for those that don't understand Dredge, it because it's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, and if you've never messed around with it or tried playing it. Um, the dredge mechanic is a mechanic that has a number attached to the word dredge, and instead of drawing a card, when you have a draw card trigger, you put that many cards from your top of your library into your graveyard and put that dredge card into your hand. And there's a number of cards that have been printed with this mechanic, and I would, I mean, Dread Return was the, the card that started on the ban list that doesn't have, that's a flashback card, mm-hmm. but it's historically played in played Dredge Played in Dredge, decks. yeah. Conflagurate is another card that has flashback, but is traditionally played in Dredge decks. Yep, and um, the idea is that you fill your graveyard so full with so many cards and so many cards with dredge and things that it, this is actually classically a legacy deck that was really really powerful yeah but mo- good enough in modern yeah the modern version is nowhere near as good um but it's still very good and when they reband grave troll dredge took a big hit i mean the big the big thing that made dredge a deck was when they printed cathartic reunion yeah that's really the card that enabled it because it both simultaneously got you card advantage which dredge often does need cards in its hand to be effective but it also put two cards into the graveyard which getting its dredgers into the graveyard is kind of what makes the engine go and i just wanted to mention like the thing that really makes dredge kind of we say quote unfair is because in general any given deck is prepared to interact with your opponent's hand or interact with permanents on the battlefield but very few main deck cards actually interact with your opponent's graveyard um, traditionally the only common ones to be played are things like scavenging ooze or like death right shaman which obviously is no longer legal but apart from those cards you really don't have a lot of cards to interact with your opponent's graveyard main deck in most modern decks right i mean it's a smart it's a smart strategy to try to build your deck to to interact that's that's yeah. a good thing to do yeah um insolent neonate's the other card that was printed that has really pushed yes yes pushed because it was a one drop that let you get something into the graveyard and in, in addition to that because of the way that the card is worded you can discard a dredger and then dredge immediately instead of drawing the card so that l- lets you get your dredge engine online on turn one which not many other cards can do so yeah so dredge is dredge is interesting for a couple reasons it's the most efficient way to put cards into your graveyard in modern 
Um, it's the most efficient because it's doing it in a way that still is drawing you a card and creating advantage. It's not actually costing you a card. So while the rate on Glimpse the Unthinkable is probably the best rate in modern to put cards from a library into a graveyard based on mana cost, mm. or perhaps Hedron Crab, this is still the best thing because it's not costing you anything to do it. You're just having to draw the same spell over and over again. Yeah, it's because you're just... At the term people like to use is velocity. Dredge gives you such insane velocity through your deck. A card like Faceless Looting suddenly becomes a lot more than just draw two cards. It suddenly becomes, you know, like in Dredge, draw like 10 cards, like essentially. Right. It's very good. Um, the most powerful Dredge card, in my opinion, is Life from the Loam. It's, it's the most consistently powerful card because of the way that it allows you to interact with... The way that land is designed as a resource in Magic means that life from the loam can create more advantage than any other dredge card it like yeah. it just allows you to it's a two mana draw three that continues to fill up the pool of your draw yeah and even even though in legacy obviously life from the loam was a lot more powerful because of the different lands that you put in your deck but there's still modern playable lands that have dramatic effects on the game and in modern dredge it's usually more sideboard cards but still just being able to get more discard fodder for um, cards like Faithless Leading and Cathartic Reunion makes Life from the Loam extremely powerful. For sure. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's... It's, it's always interesting when you look at the design of MTG and you think about the way that... The way that they're designing cards and the way that they think about the different zones, the different resources. Like, land is such a... It's such a specific and different part of the game than anything else they can ever possibly print that the way that Life from the Loam interacts with it does... It makes you really think, and that's... I the more the more I mess around with life from the loam, the more that I play with it, the more that I think that that card has a place in many 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 decks that people don't try it in or or like I like the deck I'm brewing right now I think is a good example of yep. you're using it as a, as effectively a prowess trigger, you're using it as a repeatable spell. I do think that in general life of the loam is one of the most versatile cards that magic has and I think it it is criminally underplayed in modern for such a powerful effect. I think really it's just a lot, because modern is such a fast format and life of the loam is like very inherently a kind of overtime advantage card means that you're not going to see as many decks use it um but i do think like for instance in like the the black green rock decks i do think that life for alone would ha even have a place there and it just hasn't been been put there whereas you do see um in a lot of the uh, the green based delver decks you see cards like life of the loam used just as a way to get back card advantage because wasteland is a bigger thing so i do think that um, there is a place for it in modern in a lot more decks than decks that are just based around life alone. But I think it's a matter of figuring out what that means and taking advantage of that in your deck building. Yeah. Well, I think also, I think also, um, when you talk about the way that different cards are used for effect and like, there's a very, very specific way that people have in mind to use life from the loam. Yeah. And then there's what you're talking about, which is it, it creates card advantage in a way that basically no other card can do. Um, what I think is missing. And I talked about this last night on anchor actually, I've noticed this time and time again because I, I think about this way too much. There's a fa there's a flashback card that's missing, that's never been printed, that's so simple that should have been printed by now, and the fact that it hasn't been is like I think one of the biggest reasons that it's hard to create a deck that so Dredge is an all velocity graveyard deck. Yep. it wants you to fill your graveyard, but it doesn't necessarily. It doesn't have a selection of spells that it's trying to get back from the graveyard. It has triggers that are happening. Right. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you wanted to use Life from the Loam as, like, a card advantage generator, you would either need to have only flashback spells in your deck, or you would have to have cards that you could mill into that would allow you to get other cards in your graveyard back. Right. So what's missing, in my opinion, 
is a flashback card that is black two sorcery return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand white two sorcery return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand and that's it's just that would simple, be really cool yeah it's not that's it's the correct cost it's not aggressive they, how many times have they printed black instant put any number of creatures from your graveyard on top of your life yeah draw so cards? it's actually that effect is usually underplayed it's considered weak in constructive magic but if you made a flashback card that could do that then you would have a lot more decks that would, wouldn't mind getting stuff put into the yard in fact grim flare is now kind of a modern staple and you might even just see like a lone grim flare with a few of that flashback cards and like a new abzan build like that's very plausible because lingering souls is already played exactly lingering souls is a good example of them making the front side effect less powerful than the back side effect of the same card yeah i don't i'm not even saying they would need to make the back side cost two and make it cost three yeah Unbarrel rights is obviously yeah that's kind of on the extreme edge yeah to what we have but five and four is a lot different than three and three yeah and there, I don't know if necessarily you've ever seen Unburial Rites and Life of Malone in the same modern deck. In fact, I can't really think of one. But if there was something that tied those cards together, that would actually be a really cool deck. It's probably a retrace deck. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the third subject here. So we've covered retrace. We've covered dredge. Now let's get into these creatures, these, uh, these, these, this breed of creature. And there's everything from Maelstrom Wanderer. Is it Maelstrom Wanderer? No, it's the... The new black. Uh, something one. What is the name of that card? Something. The black card. Yeah. Uh, I we're both blanking right now. Something wanderer. Uh, there's that guy. There's blood gas. There's all the different varieties of skeletons that have been printed over the years. That for you know black and one you can return it to your hand during your upkeep. There's phoenixes. There's yeah. There's a. Uh, I mean, in legacy you have like cards like Icarid. Yeah. Um, you even have stuff like uh, Narco Mevo, which isn't necessarily... It is kind of graveyard, kind of library right, right, manipulation. Right. Yeah. So this is an interesting category because like, one thing I've said a number of different times when talking to Alex on the show is that... Well, you have... It used to be that a 2-1 for 1 mana in Magic was a rare. Savannah Lions was a rare. Yeah, and now that's not even considered a playable card in a lot of no, instances. It's, it's printed at Uncommon usually. It's not playable... Yeah. And the only ones that even are remotely playable are ones that have some sort of effect. Yeah, like Zergo is kind of the last one of those that was really playable and constructed. Yeah, and I've seen people play Dryad Militant Modern before, as, yeah. you know, as a hate bear card. But um, I've said before when talking about cards like that that you know there's a high enough density of those cards now that if you wanted to play the twenty one drop two one deck with a bunch of spells and backup and recursion that's yeah. interacting with your graveyard. There's, a, there's now a high enough redundancy you could guarantee to always hit a one drop on turn one and two one drops on turn two yep. and have six power by turn two. You get swept very easily, but it yeah. doesn't change the fact that you're pushing a rate. We've actually seen that show up in like the Rally the Ancestors slash Return of the Ranked decks where you're just basically having this one drop that has some kind of impact and then just bringing them all back either on end of turn or whatever and then trying to kill people in one shot. So... If that's the case, we now, I think, have the same thing going on with the density of these recursion creatures. Um, because there are so many now, if you wanted to build a deck that was just 100% recursive creatures, all like these one-drops and two-drops, and they're all mm -hmm. kind of aggressive, and they're all pretty much black for the most part, I mean, that's a deck you could build. Like, you, you would never, your creatures would never die. The problem is the resources that you have to commit to get those cards back are generally speaking too high to justify playing more than about four in a deck. Yeah, sometimes it requires you to exile other creatures. Sometimes it's mana cost and exile other creatures. Sometimes it's discarding cards. So there's always a pretty heavy cost with getting them back. But 
Um, again, it's like trying to find ways to mitigate the cost while also just not dying to blue combo decks type thing. Yeah, it, this one to me feels the weakest of everything we're talking about. It feels like it has the least p- space to play in. Yeah, um, they're usually support creatures. They're usually not the heart of your deck, but still, still very interesting because there's so many of them now. There, there is room to play around with. You know, the Sam Black Aristocrat type strategies where you know by these creatures dying you could get some kind of payoff and then there is some recruition available with things like rally and return of the ranks that kind of gets around their expensive rebuying um so i think maybe there's possibly something there you've seen people try to attempt things like that um and then obviously if you just don't draw your combo pieces then you have a really resilient creature deck and we've seen that work in standard a lot of places but not so much in modern can you think of anything interesting right off the bat that would allow you to use the cards we're talking about, like like any kind of scrap heap scrounger, bloodgast, um, I don't know, wanderer, bloodsoak champion deck. I think the the biggest one would be something with either blood artist or is that type of effect with a with another creature that enables you to sacrifice something for benefit. I don't know if it's Viserys here or something slightly better than Viserys here that like you know gets you some other advantage but i think something like that could enable you um if you could find a way to like quote um cheat them back into play maybe zombies maybe zombies that's i feel like that's maybe the the closest thing we've got yeah we've we've gotten a lot of really good zombies in the last two years so it's possible that there's something there i've never actually really looked at all the modern legal zombies and i don't really know if there was a reason to until the last few sets but i do think that that's a possibility the one, the one that uh, Dread Wander is the card we were trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, the one that I have always focused on that I think is like the criminally underplayed zombie that really fits into the strategy we're talking about is Relentless Dead. Um, that's the card that I have I've wanted to see this card show back up and show up in modern at all. Yeah, it hasn't really shown up. It was a staple for standard for like two years, and for a while because there weren't enough zombies, it was kind of underplayed. But that card is insanely powerful. So good. It just does so much. It's like it's everything that I like in a magic card. It's got way too much text. It's got three abilities. Yeah. It's cheap. Costs two or less. It's a creature that's basically card advantage. Like you need the creature to die to get the card advantage but you basically have a repeatable effect that draws you x amount of cards like that's very very rare in any magic card much less a much less a creature it puts the creatures into play yeah it's it's <laughs> actually a reanimation effect assuming you have enough mana and obviously if you're playing a bunch of one drops and two drops you're probably you know skirting on lands a bit but even so like it's a very powerful effect it makes it most creature decks in modern right now are not re- resilient at all um, and that's one of the most resilient creatures we have that are probably modern legal. So I do think that there's something there. That card's very powerful. So moving on to the last, the last two, and the reason we'll save them for the last two is because I think they're kind of the same thing, and that's flashback and aftermath. And you know, before we get to flashback and aftermath, I would say the fringe, the other fringe one that we we're not mentioning here is madness. Yeah, um, it's not really technically a graveyard strategy, but it fits into pretty much everything we're talking about. It's kind of like if something would go to the graveyard, instead you get some effect off of it. But there really haven't been a whole lot of strategies that involve madness, and there really aren't that many modern legal, modern playable madness cards. I would say. I mean, I think madness has less playable cards in modern probably than even retrace does. Honestly, it's. Got, I mean, the the most. Fiery Temper is always like the one that people go to, but it requires you to build your deck so specifically because it's just so bad unless you get the madness payoff. I mean, it. the fact that the payoff 
the, the fact that the payoff to fire a temper is getting a lightning bolt and like lightning bolts like not even that played anymore yeah makes it kind of rough if circular logic was legal and modern you might see that played and you might see decks that tried to take advantage for those who don't know because it's a very old card circular logic was a three mana counter spell that countered a spell unless they paid one for each card in your graveyard and it had a madness of one blue so it, it very often was just one blue counter target spell Obviously, they didn't reprint that in Shadows and Istrad because it's too powerful. But if, if something like that was legal, I would think that you might see uh, a more madness-based strategy. Peep, you know, uh, in the old days when creatures weren't as pushed, Reckless Worm would have been a thing. Creatures are too pushed now. It's yeah. Just a three a three mana four four trample is just not good enough. Yeah. Um, I guess getting a 4-4 trample for discard, but it still costs 3. Yeah, I think that Wizards really hesitant on that because when it was in standard, the blue-green madness decks or even the rug madness uh, madness decks that were played then were just very, very powerful, and I don't think they wanted to repeat that mistake, so they were really careful when Shadows came out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was one of the most powerful things that they had ever printed. That's one of the all-time decks. I mean, really the only madness cards that I would say have seen any play in Modern are, as you said, Fiery Temper. Big Game Hunter would be the one that's probably the, the biggest one that I see show up as a sideboard card. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. It's sometimes played, yeah. Uh, is it show up in Living End sometimes? I've seen it in Living End before. It's it's a good card. Like, like I've, I had like a Fauna Shaman strategy I was building over the summer, mm-hmm. and I would play this as a card in the deck. Yeah. Um, so it's it's definitely a, a card. I like Asylum Visitor. I think that's a card that probably deserves to see a little more. I play. like that card, but it's just like it's hard for that to have a home when you have things like Dark Confidant also yeah, in the I format. I agree. Yeah. 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 So And so now I'm, even like Glint Sleeve Siphoner is probably more likely to show up in Modern before that Asylum Visitor does. Is Glint Sleeve proven now to actually be good? Uh, it is in standard. It is very good. Um, it, the Sultai energy deck has performed very well in standard. Um, I don't know if the energy based strategies are good enough for modern, but I assume we will soon find out. I think it's only a matter of time before someone tries to port that over to modern. Yeah, it just seems so slow. But but it, again. it is very slow. Like very often, the, the trick is people play Aether Hub on turn one, and then they play that on turn two, and then they get a trigger immediately. That's generally how you 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 get it, but. Um, I don't know if that's good enough for modern. Dark Confidant just seems, just way, seems better. way better. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into flashback and aftermath. This is the, this is really where the conversation starts and stops because it's the biggest dearth of cards. That's yep. the most interesting number of cards. So flashback now has been printed three times. Yeah. Right? Um, two of them are modern legal, and. I am a huge proponent for Flashback being an underplayed mechanic. Yeah, so I mentioned Life of the Lone is one of my favorite cards. My actual favorite card is Snapcaster Mage. I just, like, Flashback to me is, it enables so many different strategies. You can play Flashback in aggressive decks, you can play it in controlling decks, you can play it in combo decks, um, and you can play it even in dredge decks, cards like Inflagurate. Um, And... I, I, Andrew Wizards of the Coast owned Andrew Brown, who used to play in West LA here. He was constantly trying to make an Esper Mystical Teachings deck work because it was just like all a bunch of one of instant flashback cards that um, you could synergize together. Uh, so I think that the possibilities of flashback in modern are endless. Yes, I uh, completely agree with you. There's a ton. There's it's there's more flashback cards that are playable than any of the other things we're talking about. Yeah. Um, the best flashback card in modern is Lingering Souls. Yeah, I would say Lingering Souls or Snapcaster Mage are probably the ones that are most played. Faithless but you, Looting would be the other one? Yeah, if Faithless Looting shows up, Past in Flames is like the pillar of Storm. Um, and then unburial, the Unburial Rite strategies that use things like um, Elish Norn or um, Iona show up from time to time as well. 
so I think it's important we probably talk about Aftermath and Flashback in the same conversation. Because yeah, they're basically the same thing. Yeah, the difference, obviously, is that with Flashback, you're getting the same spell twice. With Aftermath, they made a point to relate the spells to sort of give you a start and an end. A yeah. start to finish, if you will. Um, and That's a card. It's a bad one. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so they are different because with Flashback... Just you just discarding the card in your hand allows you to still play the card. Whereas mm-hmm. with Aftermath, just discarding the card in your hand doesn't actually get you the card. Yeah. It's almost like drawing a different card. People try to cheat that a little bit. We've seen like one of or two of copies of Torrential Gear Hulk show up from time to time, and that's like kind of a way to get around it. But for the most part, yeah, if you're discarding an Aftermath card, you're basically saying I'm never going to get the front half of it. Yeah. Now, do you know how, how does it work with Snapcaster Mage? When you cast a Snapcaster Mage, can it cast either side? That I do not know. I do know that the way that Torrential Gearhulk is written, you can get both sides, but I don't know if Snapcaster Mage uses the same language or not. Um, that would be an interesting question for someone who is in L2 or L1 or better. I would have to think... I would have to think that it's if, if Gearhulk can do it, then Snapcaster can do it, because Snapcaster and Gearhulk are effectively the same thing. So right? Snapcaster, I don't know if it says give target spell flashback. I know ter- the way Torrential Gearhulk is written, it does not say give a card flashback, though it's essentially flashback. Um, I, I kind of want to look up Snapcaster Mage and see what the exact language is. Okay, here we go. Just I just found the ruling. Um, so, giving the rule is a kaboom possible too. No, okay, this is too much jargon for the podcast. Yeah, um, you look it up. I'll talk. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, so I think overall flashbacks better. Like, the, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. They didn't push aftermath. They didn't really push aftermath. Now, Masters of Modern own spoiler card from the set, uh, Claim to Fame, is perhaps the best aftermath card. Um, uh, yeah, I, I know that uh, Driven to Despair is used in Elves sometimes because if you just have like six one-drops, that can basically be as good as Glimpse of Nature. You just draw six cards. That card's really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, I like that card a I lot. I played it a lot in Limited, and I liked it. And yeah, in Elves, it's also pretty amazing. It's kind of like the next copies of, of Glimpse if you want more of it. I would say Cut to Ribbons is another one. That yeah, that one shows around. up more in Standard, but I do think it has a place in Modern. It's very powerful. Yeah, that card's really good. Um, there's, I mean, there's an interesting play. Never to Return is an interesting one. Um, I, I have a feeling all of these cards are going to start to see more and more play in Modern. I do think Dusk Dawn will show up eventually, but it hasn't really shown up yet. People play that in the... Um, people play that in that, like, Blue-White, Squadron Hawk, um, Amonkhet's... Oh, I haven't actually seen this deck yet. This sounds cool, though. It's sick. It's really good. <laughs> um, this card is good. Insult to Injury. I, yeah, I yeah. It's like pretty underrated. I remember when I was testing for Pro Tour Hour Devastation, we were like trying to make this cool... Uh, this uh, what's it? What was that card? Um, anyway, we basically tried to make that in a blue-red burn deck and just couldn't quite crack it, but I, right. it's one of my favorite cards right now. Yeah, that card's good. So so I'm going to show you right now the, the, the bone, the skeleton of this super silly deck I've been working on. I'm going to talk about it on the show right now. Um, this is like a just a super jankified, way over-the-top version that's trying to do too many things, but the premise of the deck, and I have talked about this on Anchor a little bit, the premise of the deck is that the backside of Flashback and Aftermath cards are always a little bit more expensive than they should be, especially on Flashback. Flashback, yeah. they, they increase the cost significantly. And that's that. because of the versatility. Aftermath, the backside of cards are usually a little overcosted for what they are, just slightly, because you're obviously getting a second half. But they're aware of the fact that you don't have to cast the front half if you discard it. So with that in mind, 
I wanted to play a deck with cost reducers. The printing of Baral allows us now, with Stormscape Familiar, to have 12 copies of Goblin Electromancer effects. That's pretty cool. Um, and those Electromancer effects, obviously Electromancer is the most, that's the most stable, a 2-2 two, two for 2 that just decreases the cost of all instants and sorceries by 1. Baral is legendary and has upside when you counter spells. Yep. Same thing. And then Stormscape Familiar, for those of you that don't know, originally is from Plane Shift. Yeah, I was playing Standard back then. Blue, white, 1-1 one, one flyer, all blue, or sorry, all white and black spells you play cost one less to cast. So the, the, the whole concept here originally, before the printing of Baral for me, was that I wanted to be able to play turn two Electromancer, turn three Lingering Souls, flashback Lingering Souls. I thought that okay, was... Okay, that's cool. I thought that was really cool. So I've been trying to do that for years. <laughs> I've, always, <laughs> I've always been into that. Now with Baral and Stormscape, it allows you 12 ways to do that. You actually can pretty much consistently in your opening hand have one of these two drops and just always get there. If you expand the idea to, okay, I'm going to play a deck that's entirely flashback and aftermath spells, and then every single spell in my graveyard is going to be another spell in my hand, and the cost will be mitigated by one or sometimes even two of All these right. cost reducers. You've, you actually have me on board. So what it means is I had a whole conversation on our Facebook page this week about Faithless Looting and how, how much better would Faithless Looting be if the backside cost one red instead of three? Well, this is a deck where that's going to happen most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time you're going to play Faithless Looting for one on the front and one on the back. You could play cards like Desperate Ravings then too, and then that only costs two. Yeah. Yeah, I've got three of them in the list right <laughs> yeah. now. And if I hadn't tried to jam in an Unburial Rite strategy, yeah. I would be playing four Desperate Ravings because yeah. it's, the, it's, it's the most feel-good card in the whole deck. I mean, for, for two mana, draw four, discard two is a pretty insane rate. Crazy. Crazy yeah. good. Um, the other card that, that I, as I continued pushing the strategy was the card I mentioned, start to finish. Yeah. Because the one thing that the strategy lacks is interaction in the graveyard. Yeah. You don't have a lot of cards. They don't, they just, if you look, they don't print a lot of cards that allow you to effectively interact from your graveyard. Yeah. That's not something they want to do. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the removal in a package like that is very light. In fact, I can't, other than start finish, I can't actually think of a flashback card that says destroy target creature. Uh, they exist, I believe. I think they're just really expensive. Um, that's like Sever the Bloodline does it. Yeah, Sever the, and then there's a, I think they want to say there's an edict that costs seven to flashback or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There is, I believe. You're So, so, so you're on board. Like, you, yeah. you understand what I'm saying, which is yeah. basically to, to do it in any way that's even kind of a little bit yeah. decent, you have to get really, really, really creative with the cards you're playing. Yeah. Because um, like we said, Sever the Bloodline, I think, is one of the ones that does it. You can like, Bounce a card with a grasp of phantasms, uh, <laughs> strangling soot. It costs six to flashback. Like most of them are pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but my theory with the deck was that if you played four start to finish, four lingering souls, 12 copies of these guys, a bunch of card selection, and then just like a few haymakers, you could get there. Because Rally the Peasants is plus four plus oh for two mana at instant speed. <laughs> right. Wow. I, I really want to see this in action now because depending on your draws and like if your opponent stumbles at all on their creature removal, you could probably kill someone by what, like turn four or turn five, right? Turn four, turn five, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, the nuts draw, if you played the super aggro version, this is a much more control grindy mm -hmm. version with tokens, but the super, super aggro version that I wanted to play was like turn one goblin guide, turn two electromancer, turn three soul souls, turn four rally win. Yeah. Um, but that's like magical Christmas land. Yeah. I think the version of this deck that should be playing, and this version I have in my phone here, plays three Collective Brutality, because what you want to do is play three copies of Claim Fame, so that on turn two you can Brutality, Discarding, Accelerant, with a Claim Fame in hand, getting two modes, turn three, one mana, reanimate the thing, and then get a three drop for two. Yeah. 
Um, so you're playing the front side of Lingering Souls or the front side yeah. of Yeah, as an aside, I, I'm kind of surprised Claim Fame hasn't showed up in more modern decks. People really thought that was going to show up, and then it just didn't. And it, I think that card is very good. It definitely still will. That's definitely a, that's definitely a card that, like, every time I brew something, that card comes to mind. And, like, it, that's just... It's just so mana-efficient for the effect. Also, I... I mean, there's some cards that I talk about on here that I admittedly know are bad. Like, I've been talking about Scythe Tiger for years. I, I realize that card's <laughs> probably never going to see play. Yeah. I mentioned earlier when we were, you and I were talking about Magus of the Vineyard. Those cards, <laughs> there's certain that cards Magus that, cycle is sweet, but not good, but still sweet. There's certain cards that I love. Then there's other cards that I talk about that I'm sure will show up that I talk about a lot, like Grand Architect, which is now a card that's in real decks. Yeah. Uh, cards like... I said forever that I was positive Smuggler's Copter was going to break through in modern and start to be a powerhouse. Yeah, it's in Murf- well, in mono blue Mur- Murfolk for a while now. Yeah, it's and that's a real card. People yeah. play that in multiple decks. Um, and this is another card, Claim Fame, that I'm positive it'll it'll be that'll be the linchpin. Yeah, it card. has. It's just way too efficient to not show up. So I I am also convinced that card is going to show up at some point. It's the closest thing to Unearth that we have, and yeah. Unearth is really good. I know people were talking about maybe it would show up in Death Shadow, and it just hasn't yet. But I'm still convinced it's going to show up. There's a uh, there's a small group of listeners on this show. Steve St. Clair, Brandon S. Russell, a few people who listen to this show and the Anchor Station. We've had a lot of conversations about um, a Vexing Devil super black-red aggro deck yeah. with that card. Because that card with Vexing Devil seems... Yeah, seems I mean, sick. the reason Vexing Devil never took is because Lightning Bolt was in the format and it's still an issue with Fatal Push. But if you can reanimate it for one mana, then obviously that becomes a lot better. Like, people usually aren't going to have multiple pieces of one mana removal in their opener. For sure. Yeah, so I, I think... The, the biggest thing that you run into with all these strategies is that as good as it is to get two halves of a card, unless you can find a way to consistently mitigate the cost of the cards in the graveyard, they always they have balanced the cost of graveyard strategies pretty well. It's, it's hard yeah. to get, it's hard to do something really unfair from your graveyard. Yeah. And kudos to wizards for making that happen. Like we were talking about the only one of these that's really unfair is dredge. And that's just because of the nature of how much velocity you're getting. But I think, most flashback cards, with the exception of maybe Snapcaster Mage, are costed pretty um, fairly across the board. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too, um, which is why I'm trying to break that with all of these two-man <laughs> Yeah. Not to mention, guys, with the whole Rally the Peasant strategy, you're always playing a two-drop and probably a second two-drop with your tokens, so you do represent a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, Sphinx's Revelation, a deck like that seems fun as well, because like, for three mana, it's probably draw two, gain two most of the time. Yeah, but... I mean, Sinks' Revelation, it shows up every from time to time modern, but it would show up a lot more if it costed two to three less. Yes, for sure. Um, and then the last piece of this puzzle that I was messing with that is, I think, still pretty interesting is that um, if you play a two-man Accelerant, it means that on turn three, you can do the same thing that you do in uh, in the Storm, which is that four drops become three drops, mm-hmm. so Gifts Ungiven, which is really good at three. Uh, Ojatai's Command in this deck is particularly good because it gets all your creatures back and gains you four life, and because the mana base in this deck is basically like the Wild West of mana. You're playing prob- you probably have to play, honestly, four Confluence, four City of Brass for this deck to work, because to hit turn two Electromancer, turn three Souls, Souls is four colors. Yeah, it's it's a little <laughs> rough. I mean, but people are playing five-color humans in modern right now, too, so, you know, you can make a lot of things happen because with weird got, mana now. Because they've got eight of the yeah. five-color ancient ziggurat, and now, I guess, unclaimed territory. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I think that... There's probably a version of this deck that plays the Gifts Ungiven Elish Norn package because Elish Norn is yep. so good with tokens anyway. Yep. So I could just see you're playing 
brutalities and you're playing desperate ravings yeah. and you're playing faithless looting so who cares about drawing a yeah and if, if you're going all the way down to if you're going down the gifts package there's a lot of things that can take advantage of the fact that you're playing a lot of dinky creatures like you could even do stuff like creator hook behemoth if yes. you really wanted to so well, and that's kind of that's sort of the whole premise of the deck is that we haven't yet seen a deck in modern that's doing what this is doing which is trying to find a way to play all of the flashback and aftermath cards because that if you if you do that and you're playing enough of them then your whole entire graveyard is your hand. Yeah, and we actually mentioned this a little bit earlier, With but Elves is a very popular strategy in Modern and Legacy, and this actually plays very similar. It's a, like a kind of a dinky creature deck, and you, you, know, you can do some really kind of degenerate combo stuff, because while this isn't quite your traditional sense of fast mana, this is basically fast mana, and you're basically either accelerating into just really efficient spells or a really fast combo finish. Right. Totally. Totally. So, and also playing Ojutai's Command for two seems sweet. Yeah, I, I'm really, that, I actually wanted to mention that. Ojutai's Command is a really sweet card, and it does a lot of different things, and I'm surprised that hasn't showed up. Maybe just four is a little bit expensive for modern, but if it costs three, that suddenly makes it look a lot better. Man, you sure think a lot of the same cards I think are sweet or sweet. You belong on this podcast. I mean, Ojutai's <laughs> Command is just an objectively, it's not quite Cryptic Command, but it's still really cool. I tried originally building this deck with Cryptic Command. With the, that's way <laughs> greedy, man. You can't you can't be playing black-white spells with triple blue. That That's greedy even for you, I think. You could do whatever you want in this deck. Um, all right, so I think that pretty much covers that pretty much covers today's strategy, which is to talk about the five phases of the graveyard, the five different graveyard mechanics, and what are the most interesting things that could and should and aren't being done or are being done with them. Um, I don't think we've really missed anything with Flashback and Aftermath. Like They're the most explored, so I think that like there's a lot we don't need to say. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, we didn't mention some of, the, like, some some archetypes just kind of incorporate that type of thing. Like, Ancient Grudge is really popular just because if it gets milled, you can still make use of it. Um, and then a lot of these other things are just, kind of, like, Lingering Soul shows up in the decks that would normally play something efficient anyway because it's good. But that's more nature of, you know, those flashback cards and obviously Snapcaster Mage. They're just so efficiently costed already that you don't need to build a deck around them. So What those, do you think is the most underrated... Other than claim to fame, what do you think is the most underrated uh, aftermath card? Um, I think consigned to oblivion is um, it shows up in standard every now and again. It, it hasn't really shown up in modern yet, um, but I think that one because those effects are unique enough together um, that those that might show up at some point. I mean, bouncing a permanent for two mana is good. Like that's just it's good. Fine, yeah. Um, so uh, the fact that you also can potentially get something else from that yeah, that might show up at some point. I can see that maybe in the Electromancer deck. Yeah. I mean, five for, for Mine Rot is a little bad, but I mean... If you get it for three, it's pretty good. But if you get it for three, it's good, and bouncing a permanent is something that most blue decks want to do because there are just things like Ensnaring Bridge you need to get rid of at some point, so... For sure. Um, all right, well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for the day. Uh, we did a little deck tech on my new shenanigans deck. Who knows if that'll actually ever see play in paper, but it seems fun. Oh, I hope it does. Um, we got to talk about the different phases of the graveyard and all of the different cards that are awesome and mechanics. Um, if the folks want to follow along with you, remind us again, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at FFMiri. I also have a game design podcast slash The Cooldown. If you like to see that, we usually have episodes come out on Mondays. Guys, check out Super Party Battle, the brand new Kesco game just released. It is available right now on thinkgeek.com. It would be like playing uh, King's Cup meets... 
Magic the Gathering. It's like, uh, it's, if you're enjoying Unstable, order yourself a copy of Super Party Battle. It makes a great Christmas gift. We've worked really, really hard on it here. Alex put his heart and soul into designing this one. There's a handful of cool games on the horizon, but this one in particular is really fun and available now, so check that out. Um, also, as I said, follow us on Twitter at the TheMMCast. Uh, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media. You can find Alex at Kess Wiley. And check out uh, the Anchor Station, 10 Minutes of Modern. Modern content every single day. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a good one. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.